Hello and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast with me, Ian Doyle. Joining me today are not our full-time Liverpool reporter, James Pearce, both home and away. He was away at La Manga last week and we haven't seen him since. We so haven't seen him. We're not <laughs> sure. I'm not entirely sure whether, yeah, we're not sure whether he's ever going to make it back. Let's hope that he does. Otherwise, you'd just be listening to us forever. Um, however, with me, though, is our LFC editor, Andrew Kelly. And we also got with us Echo Reporters, because he doesn't like me calling anybody scribes, Neil Jones and Joe Rimmer. Hello, everybody. Hello, Hello Ian. Um, we'll start with La Manga. Neil, you were not there in La Manga. No. However, no. you have been following what went on there, not least the many pictures that we got sent, and, of course, James's fine stories that were coming out of Spain. Uh, what do you think... Will have been the point for Jurgen Klopp. <laughs> what will he've learned? What will he've learned? What will Liverpool have gathered? How will they return? In what kind of frame of mind? I think, yeah, I think it will. I can't see any way it wouldn't have been beneficial, other than had something terrible have happened while he were over there in terms of a PR disaster or some sort of, you know, international incident. I think, in general terms, it was a. It always benefits, I think, to have a break from the norm when you think about routine of footballers and footballers are highly regimented in terms of you know they 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 know what they're doing in training that they have lots of plans they get taking a lot of information a lot of um sort of guidance in terms of nutrition and things like that and i think just the change of scenery will always benefit a footballer if they've got the the, the time and the um the ability to to get that so change change the scenery change the, the way that the um they set up the hotels. Yeah, Klopp obviously talked about doing an FA Cup style draw. Um, some of the some of the minnows like um, Jan Dander being put in with some of the big guns like um, would be a big gun in the Liverpool. I'd say like Jordan Henderson if he's the Jordan Henderson. Yeah. yeah, well he got, he got Shea or Joe didn't he? Jordan did, Henderson. Yeah. Who was with Masterson? Wasn't Mignolet was Mignolet, it? Was it Simon Mignolet? Um, yeah. Put a laugh at me. And of course, that the, um, That's the, 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 the group of death in there as well, with the, with the hair gel of uh, Loris Carius and Roberto Firmino in, <laughs> oh, in the together as well. It's going to be a big fight that, for the yeah, mirror, yeah, the bathroom yeah, mirror. Yeah, and that yeah, they would that, have literally been falling over yeah, each other. Yeah, that one went to replay. But I think things like that, uh, I've seen some quotes from Trent Alexander Arnold today talking about just getting more info for a young player. He's seeing them close up. These, these senior players that he's aspiring to and seeing how they how they train, how they behave, how they eat, rest, these kind of things. You maybe wouldn't get that at Melwood. You get a better glimpse of it while you're away. And I think they would be the main benefits that you'd take away from, from a five days like that. And of course, Joe, it sounds very basic, but it would have been quite warm over there as well. That does make a difference, doesn't it? As stupid yeah, as that sounds. Yeah, no, I mean, certainly with fitness, doesn't it? It makes a difference. But I think Neil Neil's right in the sense that I think the main thing Klopp would have been looking for was a bit more team bonding. Um, you know, they had such a difficult January that, you know, to get spirits back up. I think, did they go paintballing? paintballing yeah, yeah, they were paintballing. Um, just the th- little things like the cycling around, I think, just to lift spirits and get them back on Merseyside and, and training, preparing for the Throwing Adam Lallana into a nice pool as well after they, they lost to yeah, yeah, they did, Kevin Stewart uh, yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, you know, Adam Lallana obviously did about 300 twists in the air before he landed. <laughs> <laughs> Quadruple pike. <laughs> But it's, it's something that we know that Klopp is he likes to do, doesn't he? Took Dortmund away on, on some interesting trips. I think one fishing up in um, yeah, Norway, Norway, was it? Norway, yeah, I think yeah. It was, yeah. So it's something that he likes to do, and it's obviously important to him. And, and if Liverpool come back a happier, fresher squad for it, it'll be very good coming into Leicester. Andy, have you ever been paintballing? I have been paintballing. I actually uh, famously oh. did it in Wales on a on a stag do where I tried some form of um, what do you call one of those. Rolls down a like a like a like commando roll and ended up ended up in a river, river at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it, it wasn't my finest moment. And no. when I looked up, there were several people about to fire gum. In my <laughs> so, um, not not paint. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. wasn't wasn't. At least giant, we weren't taking pictures. Wasn't a giant success, but I did win the archery on that trip. I'd yeah. like to point we, out. I, I think we should at this point we should interject. Sandy has had an eventful weekend. Yeah, in, in yeah. another sense as well with a, a, an escapade in a, in a well-known Merseyside establishment oh, yes very briefly I, I did have an encounter with a mouse <laughs> in the uh, world famous lobster pot in Liverpool uh, early on Saturday morning uh, I couldn't tell you quite how early but it was yeah actually I can it was pretty much half two three o'clock in the morning <laughs> and, um, it was a bit scary but um, the eight of us who were in the lobster pot at that stage uh, survived, but um, now the team, the team bonding. Uh, <laughs> if I can, I think moving on seamless. The, 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 that was a, that was what Jurgen Klopp would call a good transition. Yes, well, 
I think that it's the transition from a good result again. against Spurs and keeping a, that good vibe yeah, yeah. going within yeah. the team and the squad. And if you look at li- what Liverpool have been doing and compare it to what Leicester have been doing, you know they've been having um, you know a game in in the FA Cup and a miserable game at yeah. that, knocked out of the FA Cup by Millwall, wasn't it? Millwall, Millwall. Yeah. and um, you know so that just further adds to the general air of despondency around the champions um, and that by comparison Liverpool have been having a, having a fabulous time in La Manga um, easing some weary limbs and ready to come back strong on um, you know next Monday if you think about it we all know Leicester they've got a good crowd there at, the, at their stadium but they're going to have to be absolutely exceptional I think on Monday to be able to and lift their team, um, who who were just in a, in, a, in a slump, and there's sometimes a natural sense of oh, typically they'll lift it against us type vibe, and um, but at this stage you'd have to think Liverpool will go in absolutely perfectly prepared, and when we do that, we tend to do pretty well, I think. I mean, Leicester have obviously got a Champions League game as well this week yeah. against Sevilla, yeah. which could, be could, the could change. Three by the time they play Liverpool as well, they're already a, a place and a point above, above the relegation zone, so if results don't go their way over the weekend, they could be in dire need of the points. They're already in pretty pretty serious need of them, but they could be, you know... <laughs> it's hard to avoid the feeling that if they get beat by Sevilla and the league form doesn't pick up, that they're going to have to change the manager because I think I think they're on their way down as it, as it stands, and I can't... <laughs> I don't know... I know Andy. Andy likes a bet, and I know Christian, who, who's often in this, likes a bet. And we were talking about it on Friday, and saying it was the best of the weekend, Millwall, and there was there was sort of even that they were down to ten men for I think forty odd minutes. There was still no surprise that Millwall won. It was it was of course Leicester because they're just in that sort of slump at the moment. And I agree with Andy in that in the sense that you get a lot of people now, Liverpool fans, who are thinking the only reason the they're thinking Liverpool are going to get beat at Leicester is because that's what the least likely thing to happen is because Leicester are so poor and, and Liverpool theoretically should be backfiring. But if Liverpool's attitude are right and the preparation has been right, then you'd have to suspect that they'd, they'd go in as massive favourites to that game. Now, Andy, there were a few youngsters that got taken over to La Manga. It was Conor Masterson and, and Jan Dander, and they're both players you've seen a lot of this season covering the the academy, well the under 18s and the under 23s i mean were they two that you would have perhaps picked out as ready to make a step up and train with them train yeah, with the first team it depends on your definition of ready isn't it but certainly ready to be um introduced into that that environment certainly maybe um more big connor as a sort of the captain of the 18s this season's been doing well he's a big tall center half an irish lad um and He's he's someone who you know has got a great pass on him, um, leads the defence pretty well for the eighteens. Um, Jan Dander obviously has been high hopes for for eighteen months, two years. He's still ne- he's never grown Jan Dander, and, and it's not as if you can't be a world class footballer and, and be small, but um, at, at, it's something you look at him and think he does look still look fairly. Um, How old is he now? He'd have to check about 18, yeah. But I mean, he's got a wonderful free kick on him, scored some great goals from set pieces. Can't take a penalty is one of the big things you'd say about him. Missed in the, um, so missed two in one game this season and then missed in the Youth Cup shootout against Crystal Palace. So don't let him near a spot kick. But um, <laughs> but but moving 15 yards further back and giving him a 20 yard free kick. Uh, maybe, maybe he needs a wall for the penalty. Needs, yeah. Exactly. Um, but he's I mean, he's a very talented player, uh, Danda. Loads of skill on him. Great set piece taker. So um, and has a you know has an eye for goal. So I wasn't surprised to see him go. Um, but you know he needs to keep. Uh, keep improving and as I say Masterson's one of those who you'd have some relatively high hopes for you think I mean, think back to sort of around this time last season probably a little bit later in the season we had Ajaria and I, I, you won't mind me saying but I think you were a bit surprised that Ajaria was sort of one that, that made the ascent to the first team yep. um, when he did but that, that's where that came from wasn't it it was a Tenerife they went, they went over Tenerife there in March, and Klopp yeah. basically said that he, he thought Wow, this this kid could be ready to to have a go in the first team, or certainly in training. And 
the journey has progressed since then has been pretty good. So I suppose that'd be the hope. The hope. Yeah, absolutely. There's always the, the the joys and the frustrations of your football are that there are some some players that you look at and just think they're absolutely nailed on to make it and they never quite do. And then there's others who you know come forward and often through opportunity presenting itself where maybe there's a couple of injuries in their position and they get an opportunity um, and they come through. I'd never have seen Kevin Stewart playing in a Liverpool football team. I haven't yeah. watched him for the 23s. Um, but he's someone who, when he steps up, you know, does his job and it's a, it's a very specific role that they want him to do, so he fits into that role. Uh, I'd never have probably have seen Conor Randall um, playing first-team football. He played a few games last season when it, when it was required and uh, you know he played played the cup game. Uh, probably didn't have fond memories of playing against Wolves, but he was he was brought in. So there's players that you don't imagine will take that next step and and get there. Um, whether they go on to have a a full career, we're still waiting really on this crop to have someone who'll go forward. Um, I think we all have high hopes for Trent to be the first one who'll come. Trent Alexander on to come forward and play regularly. Um, for the for the first team, uh, another player who got mentioned, James spoke with Jurgen Klopp, and he he asked about the two youngsters who went out there, and he revealed that you know it was up to Pep Linders, wasn't it? He, yeah. he, uh, Jurgen spoke to him, asked who should go. Another name we got mentioned was Rian Brewster, and he's somebody Neil who has been making waves certainly in the last six months. Yeah, yeah, he certainly has. And Andy um, was down at K- sorry, I just said James Pearson. <laughs> <laughs> I, I certainly did. Um, but Andy was down at KB yesterday. I watched it. I watched it on the back in the office on the um, on the on the live coverage, and he was he was to me he was Liverpool's best player yesterday in terms of brightest in the attack. And he didn't play particularly well as a team, but he was there. Sixteen years old. You speak to people about it at the academy, and they say he's he's a a real personality. And he's a, a quote. You know, obviously won't attribute it, but a quote from someone I spoke to said. He's got enough personality to give a little bit to everyone, and I think he sort of it says that you know he can he can speak on any level to any teammates. You know he can be he can be the positive one that lifts someone. He can be the one who gets on someone's case. He can be the one that sort of you know pushes someone on, and I think that says a lot for a 16-year-old lad who's obviously come up from London, come to come to Merseyside, playing for a huge club, and he's making good progress. And I think a lot of people think that he'll do. He'll do good things in the game. Well, he's got the advantage through luck, obviously, is that he is kind of physically, he looks physically ready for it, whereas he, Andy mentions, you know, Jan Dandere perhaps doesn't, hasn't been blessed with that, at least not yet. Yeah, I mean, the thing that, that Rian's got in his favour is the fact he's very quick. So in that situation, your size is, is, is less important. He'd be, he'd be quicker than, than Jan Dander, for instance. So um, he has that in his advantage. I mean... Ryan Brewster's a kid who only scored his first goal for the under-18s earlier this season. I was there, and the, the absolute joy when he scored. Well, you know, this is a kid who's just loving his football and loving, hopefully, where it's going to take him. And um, he, he's had a good year uh, at under-18s, a really good year for England. Every time he's played for England youth teams, he's scoring goals. From scored again last week, three two uh, against Germany, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah, and we well. When we knew it was three two Germany, we all round it. I said, or three two to England, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. We absolutely guaranteed one of those will be Brewster. And when we checked, yeah, Brewster had scored because he just he's one of those. He, he he gets he gets on the score sheet. He's done really well for England. Yesterday, there weren't many good performances in the Liverpool on twenty threes. It was a really much changed team because of all the lads being away at La Manga, um, and. They were, it was a sloppy game, really poor, no real drive or desire about them. It looked like a team that had never all played together before, and I suspect it hadn't. I'm, pretty sure, I'm absolutely sure it hadn't, to be honest. And Rian did well. He 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 won the corner that we they, Liverpool got their goal from an OG uh, from a quick throw, and he he went sort of 50, 60 metres up the pitch and looked like he'd get in. Last defender just about got him for a corner and Liverpool scored from it. Distribution was a little bit poor a couple of times, just slack. But um, you know, at his age, to be playing at under-23 football is a big step for him and um, yeah, definitely high hopes for him. Joe, Andy was at the, the under-23 games on Sunday. Um, they got beat 2-1 by Derby. But when you're looking at the likes of the under-23s in particular, are you looking for taking notice of the results or are you taking notice of performances? 
It's always performances, isn't it? You know, but I think results. Uh, you look at them and you want them to fun function well as a team, don't you? And I think results do count for something. It's not like they, it doesn't matter. You, you've still got to try and sort of harness a winning mentality within the within the youth teams. But it's certainly individual performances, and um, you know, you you only have to look at the, some of the lads who've come through. You know, Brewster's catching the eye with his performances. But then there's other guys that I think, like Andy's right, you know, there's, there's, there's lads, lads who are quieter, you know, John Flanagan was a lad who, who did well at under-23's level, but never really, he wasn't someone that you were gonna, you were getting excited about, but he came through and he was professional and did his job, Conor Randall was another, I remember Stephen Darby, I, I had high hopes for him, going back some years, I used to think that he was quite a good full-back, so I think, um, you know, it's just, you want to see players professional and, and doing their jobs and doing them properly, and then carrying that into the, the senior level. Neil, is it harder for youngsters now to come through the ranks, or is it easier? The reason I'm asking that is because now there's much more focus on what the under-18s and under-23s are doing than, say, even 10 years ago, yeah. where people could, as Joe mentioned, people could just come through the ranks and no one really notices them. Yeah. Now it's very difficult for a player to go into a first team, and certainly the fans are maybe fans of nearby clubs who haven't heard of them. Like, I'm sure you'd know... Well, we need to know, but you know, Liverpool fans will know who some of the Everton yeah, players yeah, are who are coming yeah, yeah. through. They might know one or two Man United, Man City ones, yeah. but it's very hard now for someone just to come out of nowhere. Yeah, it? you're right. I mean, it's it's um, there's a lot more scrutiny on football generally, isn't there? And, and you know, you get players now. I mean, we I remember Jan Dan the sign of Liverpool. He's 14, and I remember it being a story that he he'd come from mm -hmm. come from West Brom, this <coughs> guy of Indian heritage, and he'd, he'd won a, he'd won sort of like a, a Premier League schools. Initiative down in London, you know, he did, and we already had all this information about this kid who's 14 years old. You know, he, he he could he could have given up football by 16 and decided he wanted to be a pop star or you know gone and gone into the fire brigade or something. At 14, you've got no, you've got <laughs> no sort of dreams there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you know, you've got no, your life isn't set out in front of you at 14, is it? You know, it's, it, and same with there. Uh, there's another guy from Bristol City who's still there, isn't he? Herbie Kane. He came he came up around the same time. There's a, a bit of a Bit of a, a fanfare about him. Jerome Sinclair was another one at fifteen when he came. It's um, Jordan Ag, Jordan Ag. You look at the and so I know and look at the, the the different sort of um, scales because all three of them are playing in the Premier League. Sinclair, Ivan Sterling, but one isn't playing in the Premier League if you like. Mm. One one is playing and not doing much, and Sterling obviously is at the other end of the spectrum. So that shows you the sort of pitfalls or the difficulties even getting from fifteen to twenty or twenty one. Um, I think it is more difficult to come through because I think the stakes are, are so much higher now. Top four, you know, we think think back to sort of Michael Owen coming into the Liverpool team or Robbie Fowler coming in. You know, they were going, yeah, Liverpool were going for trophies, they were going for this, but they they could they could finish fourth and it wasn't it wasn't a, a disastrous season or they could finish fifth and it wasn't a sort of you know what didn't feel like the end of the world. Now. Every game has got so much riding on it, you know. Every every performance is scrutinised so much, and even even a young lad. Andy mentioned Conor Randall, and some of the some of the responses when Conor Randall had a poor forty five minutes against Wolves, people just writing them off. Just they ah, found out at this level, get them out of here, get them to League Two. You know that's that's sort of there is that mentality about players, whether they're young or not. And I think there's less patience in terms of waiting for a young kid to iron out the flaws in the game and find what type of player they're going to be. And of course the great irony of that is the fact that clubs now spend an absolute fortune on trying to find these players when, as Neil says, it's more difficult than to come through. You have to look at Man City at the amount of money they've pumped into their academy. That They want to be the, this, this great, we want to foster our own players, this, that and the other. And yet you know quite well that if they need somebody and they need them now, they go and spend X millions on... on yeah, gotta yeah. say. They, they do, but what you would say at the, at the City Academy and anyone who's followed academy football this year will know that City are, are the benchmark in academy well, football. Well, you've, you've this said year. this, haven't you, for uh, quite I mean, some time. And anyone, that that process that City go of, we need a left back, right centre mid, what, centre mid, right wing, whatever, we go and buy it. I think that will gradually become a much more balanced approach between here's someone we produced and here's someone we can go and buy. And they're bringing the players forward. Um, their under-18s team are miles clear at the top of the league. There's just uh, one more game left before that breaks into the top eight, go into playoffs. Uh, Liverpool's last game is against Manchester City, uh, and then they go into the playoffs. And um, I say I think it might be sorry. It's the top four play each other. I think 
So um, I think Liverpool will end up playing City three more times uh, this season, and I genuinely don't think there's much joy about that prospect. They obviously knocked us out of the Youth Cup three one, I think it was, but yeah. but it was a good three one beating. They beat us seven nil earlier in the year, and that was a bit <coughs> of a freak result. But they are very good, and their under twenty threes aren't winning the league, yeah. but they're certainly. I think I've seen almost all, if not all, the under-23 sides this season. They're certainly miles the best under-23 team I've seen. They're second. And that's not a criticism of Everton. Well, Everton's under-23s. They've got some of the players now playing mm. in the first team, yeah. aren't they? Think of I mean, you've got to remember that yeah. for a certain, as Liverpool were, so for a certain period, Everton were, had Nias playing up front. I know he was an objective yeah. Derision to a certain extent, but he was scoring goals and, and winning them games. But equally, in the early part of the season, Liverpool had Danny Ings uh, scoring goals and winning them games as well. So uh, it's not to be critical, but in terms of a team that you just thought that this is a team full of players who could go on and do mm. things, Manchester City have, have certainly been the most impressive. I think, well, it, it stands to reason. If you look, when did when did Sheikh Mansour take over? 2008, 2008. So yeah. nine years, and that is how long it's taken for yeah. City to get to this level. It isn't. It isn't an overnight prospect. They've restructured the entire football club in terms of built this campus, built this whole facility that that is absolutely incredible. Andy, you know, has been over there and watched games there. I've actually played, played there. on it. I've played you? there yeah. with 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 Echo. So have you, Joe? Didn't no, you? I didn't you play that game. Did you not? No, I didn't play oh, it. I I can't remember. Did this. you lose though? Well beaten. Yeah, well, yeah, well beaten. Yeah, when yeah, I played, yeah. we won. It is an impressive it's incredible. set. It's an incredible yeah. set. And, and it's one of them that makes you think that if I was a, if I was a, a, a 14-year-old lad or a, or a parent of a, of, a, of a young lad who's going to sign for clubs, it would be a swing. It would be a sort of swung for me when I, when I walk around that campus and have a look at the facilities there. This, this, it's, this, it's impressive. I'm going to say that that then brings you to something like Stephen Gerrard being with Liverpool yeah. and Sunderry. Yeah, everybody thing, needs a hook, don't they? Thing, you, I looked at the weekend, Chelsea's under-18s won 13 nil at the weekend. Yeah, Jody Morris, yeah. Jody Morris is their coach, the, the, obviously the, uh, the ex-midfielder. Most of the players would be taller than it. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. But yeah, no, they won 13 nil. And I, I listened to um, an interview with John Collins, who used to play for Everton and Celtic mm. yeah. Monaco last week, and he was talking about, it was quite an interesting interview, he, he, he's a bit extreme in his views in terms of youth football, but he was saying that once once a game goes to two three nil at, at sort of under eighteen level, he said, switch off. He said the game you're not learning anything. You may as well just blow the whistle there and then and give it up. He said because these players aren't listening. And he was he was a big advocate of under twelve, under thirteens playing levels up. If the you know why should you have a big number nine at under elevens level? Why don't you make him a little you know put him up to uh, two years and make him a sort of a more regular sized guy and make him learn the game that way? And I do think that is. There's a lot to be. I still think English football, especially, is a little bit behind in youth development. I think it doesn't quite. Compared to who? Compared to Spain, Spain, 100% Spain, and I think Germany. The Germany have got ten yet ten years on the on Liverpool. France, France. France have got obviously got a great reputation for bringing through good first team players who who can who can sort of go across leagues. I think English football still has a little bit too much of a results culture, and I do hear coaches. Won't name any names, but some that aren't too far away from here, who still speak as if their entire goal is to win the under-23s league or the under-18s league. I think they're missing the point a little bit. Do you feel as though, I'm going to be devil's advocate as normal in this case, um, do you feel as though maybe if we went back to the old reserve league that would make any difference? Because then they would be playing against more senior players. And what I mean by that is I wouldn't expect the reserve team to then become packed with you know the likes of players who aren't playing, like say in Liverpool's case, Albert or Moreno plays yeah. because they wouldn't. Yeah. He wouldn't play them anyway because I don't it's think they'd want them to play. It's a quite, I mean, I think the current under 23s setup, which came in start of the season, um, is an attempt to take a step back towards the old reserve mm. leagues. For a start, you've got so the age limit goes up from 21s to 23s. You can then still play um, some. Over certainly an overage goalkeeper and two other players or, or even three, um, I think it's three actually. So you you can have a team that effectively is pretty much your reserves um, with a good collection of youngsters, which is to a certain extent what a lot of the reserve teams were anyway back in central league days. So um, 
there's always because Liverpool tended to win the Central League a lot at a time when they bought players, put them in reserve three years famously, yeah. and then brought them through or whatever. The it is it is seen as a bit of a golden period, I think, particularly on, on Liverpool. I'm not quite sure there's that sense of um, fondness towards it, maybe in other parts of the country, yeah. uh, where Central League reserves were were just reserve matches. The tw- I think the 23 setup though far from perfect, has got better this year in the sense there's more goal, uh, more games. Um, they've brought in the um, International Cup in the last couple of years to try and play some uh, foreign competition, which is, is, is vital. They probably need more of that. Um, the Premier League Cup went to group stages to get more games. I have to say that while well, you appreciate the extra games... You know, playing Ipswich twice and Huddersfield twice, and um, albeit the Huddersfield first game was a competitive game, but you're wondering quite how far that that's getting a Liverpool under twenty three side, if I'm honest. But generally, I think the setup at under twenty three has improved a bit this season, despite the Checker trade trophy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that was just an absolute kind of nonsense, wasn't it? It comes down to money ultimately, doesn't it? You know, I think you look at. You compare with leagues like France and Germany and, and, and to a certain extent Spain. There's less money, money in those leagues. Certainly in France, players get more opportunities because there's less money so, so teams don't spend as big. And you don't have the likes of West Brom spending £13 million pound in January. You know, that, the equivalent to that in France can't do that, so they, they do give kids a chance. It's just I've it's read, the way it goes. Yeah, I've read quite a few interviews in the past week uh, with Michael Beale, former Liverpool yeah. under-23s manager, um, who who's been talking, done a series of interviews out in Brazil, obviously, where he's now uh, assistant coach at Sao Paulo, and he was asked, as you'd imagine, in several of those interviews about the differences between uh, football here and football in Brazil. And he spoke about, you know, that the, the best players here would certainly, could certainly play there on a level, but in general that there's more focus on the individual over there, and therefore you produce these... Technical players who are definitely technically superior, according to to Bealey, and I'm sure you know he he's seen it at at both sides of it, from working at Chelsea, at Liverpool, now at Sao Paulo. The, the technical uh, ability of the players there is better, and that that's because of the the way they focus on the individual and your own personal skills right from get go, really, instead of the sort. Of at times, a bit of a team approach yeah. that uh, that happens here. Sorry, I was just going to say. <coughs> I remember speaking to someone um, at the academy about about Athletic Bilbao and saying that it's the it's it's the most by definition it's the most important academy mm. in the world. The most important youth structure because all the players, apart from the ones that they pinch from Sociedad or Osasuna or you know other other clubs around the Basque area, they're all produced. There, they have to be all produced because of the club rules. And he was saying that what they do is they basically pour all their energy quite early on into the, the four or five players that are going to have the best chance of making it to the first team. And the rest are just, for want of a better word, filler for the, for the under 16s team or the under 15s team. And he said, when you think about it, with a club like that, it makes sense because why would you, why would you try and build a really good under 14s team that's got no, no great individuals? And when they get to under 18 or under 19, they're not good enough to play for your first team. And all of a sudden, you've got this big, massive black hole where there's no players to come through for your first team. And I think I think a few clubs are looking down that route. And I know Liverpool have, have spent a little bit of time studying Bilbao. And I don't I don't think it's a coincidence that they slashed academy numbers last uh, well what was it in the last 12 months by by 70, 70, 70 people. I think I think there is a, a bit more of a focus on. Like Andy said, the individual. Going back to what we were talking about just a minute ago about the reserves and Liverpool's, you know, their heyday in the seventies, is that proof that you cannot have a winning mentality at youth level and bring through youngsters? Because while Liverpool were winning, the first team was winning stuff and the reserve team was winning stuff. There weren't many youngsters coming through, were they? No, no. You think, think back to that. I mean, I do a lot of them were bought in, weren't they? Like Andy said, yeah. they were sort of yeah. they were bought in, and then they were playing yeah. lower yeah. leagues. They, were, they, were, they were already senior players at their particular. Yeah, yeah. Their you think, think of, Kevin um, Keegan, Ray Clements. Yeah, Teddy McDermott was brought back, wasn't he? He spent a sort of a, a good while in the reserves. I think Alan Kennedy maybe even was was one who went into yeah. the resies. Rushy, Rushy, yeah, yeah, Rushy, yeah. 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 But except he got he was meant to be 
yeah. in the reserves, but he ended up being thrust onto it because Clements, Clements yeah. decided to leave. But this that that's you know you look back and you go, oh, Liverpool won well, the central it, league all those times. But then again, you look, was, just, you look at the side that they had, and they made good pros. They made John Denham was come through. Jim Magilton was was in they're the they're like the eighties. Though you think yeah. of the ones in the seventies. I mean, I don't. I mean, not yeah. even Andy was. Alive then, <laughs> I was alive. You were alive. I was alive as well, but we can't really remember what was going on. But the point there being, is it is it possible to have a winning mentality? A lot of it and depends on the individual. And I, t- I, I, I was at Anfield to hear Ian Rush talk to a load of kids a couple of weeks ago, part of an LFC Foundation event, um, and um, Red Neighbours. It's, it's called actually been run by the club up in Anfield. And they had a load of local kids. It's all about the careers. But anyway, Rushy was telling them about his career. And he was talking about play, about um, having a conversation with um, Bob Paisley. And Bob Paisley basically saying he was going to put him on the on, on the transfer list. and Because uh, he'd had a go Rushy. He hadn't yeah. really scored. And uh, he got sent back to the reserves. And basically, Rushy said, I just went, at that point, I, I thought it was going to be sold. So I went out there and just started playing for myself. So he was in a team environment, playing for the reserve team. But for him, it was all about making Ian Rush the most sort of sellable and best asset he could in terms of where he might be going next. As a result, he went out, got selfish, scored bundles of goals, went back to Bob Paisley, who said, "I never had you on the transfer list anyway." Uh, that was just that, that was just that was just what Paisley was up to. And, and here's here's the shirt, and obviously he becomes, you know, the, the greatest yeah. goal scorer in the club's history, and that. So a lot of it's about yourself and you deciding at some point this is all about me and that's not to um, think that players should go out and all, all over the pitch be just you know, trying to score themselves when there's an easy goal to set on for somebody else but it, it, there, there is a, a bit of it it's about the player you want to make yourself isn't it? I think. And I think that in itself is a winning mentality it's a winner's mentality it's, it, the guys are selfish and they want to achieve things and and you know you think of anyone that's come through and made themselves something at Liverpool in, in the last twenty years have all been ruthless characters in terms of their sport and careers. Gerard, Carragher, Owen, all three of them are absolute winners, aren't they? And and the reason that they reach the top in their careers is because they would never accept being second best. And, and and I think that is the mentality you want youngsters youngsters to have. And if you have a group of youngsters with the same mentality, they'll win things at under twenty three level and they'll progress. You might have two or three, and they will progress. I, I think at the very least, Woodburn and Alexander-Arnold of the current crop have have very much the traits mm. of, of that, because I, I saw Woodburn give his interview with LFC TV where he, the three of them sat down, Ajaria, Alexander-Arnold and Woodburn sat down with Steve Hoddersall, and he, he just he asked them about his goal against Leeds, and I, I've said this in, in a podcast, I've certainly said it to, to AK in the, in the past about he he doesn't seem to have that thing about him where he where he knows he's done something special. He doesn't seem to have that thing of uh, Gerard used to have it where Gerard would ping a, a sixty yard pass and the whole crowd would go oh my god and he'd just carry on running with a yeah, serious yeah. face on. He wouldn't look as if to see what I've just done. Yeah. He'd just go after it because that's what he's always done. I think well Ben's got that. He obviously scored the goal against Leeds and he was made up. But I saw in the interview he said to him, you know what what were you thinking when he come across and he said oh I knew it'd score. He said I knew I wouldn't miss. I just knew hit it hard and score. And I just think. He seems to have that idea of, I know what I need to do to be a player, and Trent is the same. I, hear, I saw him today saying, yeah, you know, it's nice to be around people and to, to be in that squad, but I can't, I don't stand on ceremony. You know, yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. tackle them if I have to. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, knock, I'll knock Jordan Henderson over if I have to, or I'll, I'll go through someone. And I like, I like the look of what, I, what I'm hearing from them and what I'm seeing from, from those two in particular. Now, Neil, forgive me if this wasn't you who told me this tale, but I'm sure it was. It was basically one thing we haven't really mentioned too much is the actual coaching of the players. And I'm sure it was you who told me this that there was a coach who said that I would sooner have a player who's got two or three things where he's always eight and nine out of ten rather yeah. than someone who's seven across the board and versatile. Yeah. And do you feel as though maybe since the I think it's about twenty years now since the academy's got brought in, it got it got changed. I think it's around then that perhaps a lot of players have been overcoached yeah. in a sense. Sanitized. Yeah, yeah. I, I better saw, word. Much better word. Yeah, I think I do think there's a uh, homogenous the word in terms of it's like globalization. The, the academy it? player, yeah, yeah exactly. Being yeah. yeah. all around yeah. for, and, and it's good because it means that you might get a few better chances early on because you can play a different position. You can play right back. You can play midfield or whatever. But at the end of the day, 
there are very few players in the world that aren't specialists at something. Mm. No, there are very few players that don't have excellent. I mean, top players who who aren't a great tackler or a great dribbler or got a great left foot or takes a great free kick or whatever whatever the ability is. Some of them have got more than one, obviously. And I think what you tend to get, and I remember I remember seeing Hayden Spurs coach talk about it and saying that you you've created players that know how to play football, know how to do patterns of play and movements, but if something knocks it out of the ordinary, if something different happens, i.e. a dodgy referee or a extreme weather or a massive centre-forward on the other team, they just don't have the, the, the ability to solve problems straight away. And I think we, we are getting a little bit towards the level of not enough players being able to think on, for themselves in, in, on football pitches and relying on coaches. And you even hear them now, you, you'll, you'll even hear the, the academy kids, the very media train, we hear them talking about the same issues as first teamers. And you think, well, it isn't always about, oh, you know, yeah, they, they played this system or this and that. It's sometimes it's about you just taking taking responsibility and, and open your game and, and winning your battle. I think, um, there's, as I said, there's some good signs in some Liverpool players, but I think you see a lot of players come through and you think, yeah, you might be able to do that in the under-23s. As soon as you get in the Premier League, there's better players and you you, you will do that and you will be able to handle them. Well, Michael Beale was talking, uh, saying these interviews about his coaching mentality and it's all he says he focuses on one-on-ones, two-on-twos, maximum three-on-threes because he thinks games are won in those little individual battles between those types of, you know, three-on-three three on, three on three down the left side or on the right or in the middle pitch or wherever and that, that, that creates that focus on individuals and if you get, if you then, if you get all the individuals right, the team element then is it, it's pretty easy to coach in, I would say. We've seen loads of not very good teams come to Anfield for instance at first team level and it's relatively easy to coach two banks of four and working hard across and everything else it's the the players that will excite and go on to be talked about as names of the players who know how to break that down I don't I don't want to go too much down the my granddad's route of you know the old days and what have you but it is gradually well it's it just accepted that Liverpool's great teams they did five sides. That's what they, you know, that was the training. They did five sides, and I think I still think that there's no better training of of football of learning how to play football than small sided games. My my personal opinion. I'm I'm no youth coach. I'm no got any badges, but I just think. Well, think that's about, He is probably the best. He is easily the best football. Think, think about got the touch, think about the amount of, <laughs> amount of touches you get in a five side game or a three on three game. The amount of decisions you have to make. Think about the amount of times you 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 you're denied space. You've got to. You've got to make a quick touch, one touch, two touch, whatever. And I think as, as I think though, isn't it? Well, I think well, it? five sides have been sort of reduced. Yeah, they probably have. Yeah, yeah. It's not. Uh, the, it's, the other thing is, you've, as the, everyone here has, has picked up on, is having the intelligence about football, being able to react yeah. to certain things, certain incidents, being able to react to a situation. And my dad tells me this story, so you'll have to forget, forgive me again for not getting the names right, but. I'm sure it was Alan Kennedy signed for Liverpool. I think it was '74, and he was out on the training ground, and, he, and then he was put into a game. And he, he came up to Bob Paisley and says, "Well, who, who do you want me to mark?" And he says, "You are." He says, "Who do you want yeah. me to mark at corners or whatever?" And he says, "Well, you know." And Bob Paisley says something on the lines of, "Well, you know, you're all footballers. You yeah. know how to play. Go out there and sort it out between yeah. yourselves." Well, we've signed you for a lot of money, and you, you're asking me how to play football. Yeah, exactly. That, yeah. That's, yeah. That's, that's sort of it. yeah, But that's kind of. I wouldn't say that's gone from the game because yeah, but I, look, you know, I know me and Joe spoke about Delhi Alley. Playing. And this is a lad who come through, a, not a fabled academy by any means, you know, come through MK. And you look at him now; he's got that. He's got what we're talking about. He knows how to play. He knows how to to, to say, okay, yeah, you know, I'll play all these nice passes. And I can play a one-two, but he's just rattled me that centre half. So I tell you what, I'm gonna go. And, I'm gonna go and leave a bit on him, or I'm gonna try and I'm gonna try and flick it past him. I'm not gonna, you know, he doesn't play like. Like an academy player to me, no, no, he plays no. like he plays like a footballer who knows how to play and knows what he's got. Still a bit of street in him, that's yeah, why yeah, sometimes yeah. his discipline is is called into question. But the other side of his lack of discipline at times is yeah. it, is I'm going to get this done, however, sort of vibe, and yeah. that, that's 
That's you what you see in Ali, isn't it? Almost all the big players you saw that through, didn't you? Early doors in their career, Rudy, Gerard, well, even Lampard to an extent. You, you know. can extend that to anybody. Look at Zidane, Maradona. Yeah, they all yeah, had a bit yeah. of an edge about them. Yeah. 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 Make sure that's Suarez. Suarez, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't want to mention street football because that falls into a cliche. Well, it's gone. Around. Well, it's, it's gone. Exactly I mean, that, not in England, why, it has. It's saying that. It's saying not, yeah. not making it across the world, but it has gone. And I, I still think. I've heard academy coaches talking or youth coaches talking about still trying to replicate certain aspects of that and finding it hard to and if that's a challenge. Just get someone to drive down the middle of the uh, Yeah, or <laughs> get to call them in for the tea <laughs> 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 from the balcony at Melbourne. But we'll just very entertaining that chat that chat was. We'll just move finish off on two things. One, it was obviously the FA Cup this weekend, that's why Liverpool were not playing. Did did we all watch oh. the FA Cup or was Joe Come on, Joe. You must have been slightly excited about the fact that Lincoln beat Burnley. I wasn't excited very much about it. It was a crap game, though, wasn't it? It was another diabolical game. Most football games are poor. Most games are poor. That's all. You just see them all now. All the the FA Cup games are poor. They were all (laughs) poor. They weren't all poor. Every single one. It's It's a a story, though. That's what you want as a journalist. It's the story. There's a story I've heard a million times before. It's not like it's the first time. It's the first time in 103 years that our non league team's got to the quarterfinals. They've had an easy run, though, haven't they? Burnley. Everyone wins at Burnley. Last week you were talking about the best home form in the Premier League. Lincoln, I mean, amazing achievement, but I honestly can't be bothered I mean there was a time when, when I would have been all over wanting to know everything I wanted to know about that team but Lincoln City for a start feels still feels like a league team to me because yeah. They, yeah. they've only yeah. Yeah, Lincoln were it's in like the in, league. Your, in your brain a little bit when you saw Burnley play Lincoln you think oh it's a second division yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Exactly. it doesn't feel like yeah. a giant but, against but the... it's Burnley who were pretty much full strength who just drawn at home to yeah. Chelsea the previous week got yeah. beat at home by Lincoln yeah. It is you amazing. You are in England's the 15th. Newton, Joey Barton playing yeah. Andre Gray. You know. It's amazing, but why does it not feel that amazing? People keep saying it's amazing because they're trying to convince everyone yeah, yeah, that it's that, amazing. Well, no, but I think this is, this is why it's I, no, I think it is. No, I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not saying it it's not, but it sort of feels that it isn't because somewhere in the back of your mind you're thinking Lincoln have got to the quarterfinals through, obviously they'll have played a load of rounds and probably... Beat some teams you didn't put out proper sides. I'm not saying that again. Ipswich, Bur- Burnley, yeah, Ipswich on a replay. And, um, the, we shouldn't denigrate their achievement, but somewhere everything that has happened to the FA Cup has somehow denigrated it. I think, and I'm I'm sort of close to Joe's camp a little bit here. Yeah, there was yeah, a lot. Of, there was a lot of FA well, Cup. Welcome in my camp. It's lonely at the moment. Yeah, there, there was there was no <laughs> other. Be a yeah, yeah. Well, there wasn't very much football over the weekend. Was there? Um, am I mistaken? Liverpool under 18s on 23s, but there was loads. <laughs> there was loads of telly FA Cup football. Yeah. Yeah. But was I inclined to sit down and watch it? I have to say, no, I really not, wasn't. No. And I, I, I'm are you not inclined sure to sit down and watch Premier League games when they're on telly when it's Swansea against Middlesbrough? Far more. Yeah, dip yeah, in and out. Yeah, yeah just well, because. Well, why? Because, because it's why? got because an impact on Liverpool to yeah. some extent. Okay, well, that is a great no. point. Would you be more bothered about this weekend if Liverpool was still in the competition? Definitely. I mean, I'd, the be games more, I'd, just... I'd be more interested. Well, then that's the league. Could have done that at the start. We wouldn't have to have this conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't want to say that. But, <laughs> I still wouldn't have been that bothered. So it's just. It's just you hate the FA Cup, I guess. What's wrong with you? I know we're going to move on in a minute and talk about Millwall, but it annoys me that they've got like Millwall players gloating because they beat Leicester. That's totally different. Leicester have just won the Premier League. You know, why are you never knocking them out? You know, just. That's why they are gloating. They should be happy with themselves, but don't start gloating and speaking like this guy we're going to talk about in a second is speaking about in the press. It's well, there you go. Okay, another seamless transition. He could have been Alana taking the ball from midfield, turning it to attack, and said it's Joe Rimmer yeah, taking the FA Cup and bringing us to Steve Morrison, who, Neil, one hour, one hour, which is wrong. Neil, for those who don't know, what has this person said? Yeah. Well, as Joe said, Millwall beat Leicester and, and um, on Saturday in the FA Cup, reached the quarterfinals. Millwall seems to have a good record, Millwall. In the quarter. I, I, I think they've been in a few semi-finals and quarterfinals yeah. down the years. They were certainly one against when Tim Cahill. They played the final, yeah. Tim yeah. I think they've had another semi-final as well. Cause yeah. Sadly, I think I, I think it was remembered for crowd trouble. Millwall uh, and crowd trouble? Yeah, so unfortunately, yeah. But speaking of which, um, Steve Morrison, who's striker for, for Millwall, said... 
that Ben Chilwell, who was linked with Liverpool quite heavily he, last he, summer, he, and weirdly he, he the may reports, still be linked. Yeah. yeah, the reports sort of resurfaced this weekend. He said that Ben Chilwell was too scared to take throw-ins in the left-back position for, for Leicester the weekend because of the abuse he was getting from the, the crowd at Millwall. And he claimed that he made the centre-back, uh, whose name escapes me, I think it was, a new guy called Molly Wake, who was signed in January. He made him come over and take the throw-ins because he didn't want to be up against the crowd, which doesn't ring true to me, for starters. It's interesting that he said it, and he claims that Chilwell said his fingers were hurt and couldn't take the throw-in, which is absurd. But it doesn't ring true to me because why would you play at left-back the whole game? I presume he was by the touchline at most of the game playing at left-back. Why would it be a, such an issue when you were stood taking a throw-in? All you've got to do is take a throw-in and you're away, aren't you? It's not like, it's not like he's got to go into the crowd. Um, but as Joe said, it's just to be honest, it was a bit to me, it was a bit poor form from, from the Millwall guy in terms of enjoy your achievements instead of putting a twenty year old lad on the on the yeah. washing line. Say, dry even out even if it was one. true, why why would you say yeah, it? Yeah, you don't why? need to say it, do you? Know, is it is a young lad and if he was intimidated by the crowd, all right, it, it's probably not a great thing, but it doesn't need he doesn't need that in the press at such a young age, does yeah. he? You know, I think it's I think it's way out of order. I think I think it's gloating as well because they got through. But you know, been it's the, just, it's not fair. Leave that issue aside. Thing I'd say on Chilwell is in terms of what we've seen from him this season, which hasn't been a huge amount. Yeah. But Liverpool offered ten million. Seven. Seven. They, they wouldn't possibly, go to ten. Yeah. They wouldn't go to. And you'd have you'd have to say that that they would surely wouldn't offer seven no, at this stage. No, I would sure think well, he's I don't gone. know. You know, I saw him play against Everton, and admittedly they lost two 0 on Boxing Day, and I he was the best player on the pitch yeah. by miles. Yeah, I've never oh. seen him have a good game. No, he's, he was really good. I've not, he's not he caught my eye, to be honest. When I've seen, it. I didn't, I didn't see that. that he was game very good. He was very good. I mean, I know that in his first game, he was it against Bruges away? Oh, oh, no, Porto away. Yeah. It was terrible. That yeah. terrible yeah. European yeah. game. Do you, also, do you think it shows that for much that? Oh God, let's not end on a, on a, a positive but, FSG Liverpool note. <laughs> You're in a does, does it does it show that maybe sometimes when clubs won't pay certain money that? There's probably a bit of logic behind why you won't go. For, you might say, okay, well, yeah, he, he's, he's got he's got these weaknesses. Maybe we wouldn't be able to trust him in a in a game in a way. Yeah, at a, and, a this, and this brings us. So let's let's we're going to go lower. We'll say we'll give you that, and if he proves it, we'll give you a little bit extra. Yeah, yeah. This brings us right back to the beginning. Then, where if Liverpool had have spent the money, signed him, he would have gone through this learning experience at Liverpool, and a lot of supporters, as Neil said, would have written him off. Yeah, by, yeah exactly. By, yeah. This guy doesn't take exactly. a throw Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> 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 too far. We should. We should yeah. Plenty of supporters would have said he's a young lad and he needs yeah. time as well. Yeah, 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 yeah let's yeah, not. I know, but it's just that, that's just the you know. And he's the, a bit the older as well, isn't he? He's guys, he's twenty, yeah, twenty. Yeah. Well, you know, just the pitfalls of, of being a young footballer. You know, yeah. s- several of the of the the Liverpool on twenty threes yesterday would have been older than children. Well, children. also think about um, do you know this? Steven Gerrard first away start for Liverpool against David Ginola at Tottenham. Yeah, Tottenham. Yeah. And and his own his own admission, he played right wing back, and his own admission yeah. was that. He wanted the ground to, to swallow him up and, and hide him for the rest of his life because he got such a chasing off David Ginola. And he would be the first player. He wouldn't know. No, Neil, to, to Neil, Cox, Neil yeah. Cox was the guy who who, uh, who first suffered at those hands. Uh, well, we'll finish with one final. Well, two questions for you, simply because you all hate the FA Cup. But sorry, two of you. Okay, one person hates the FA Cup. One person isn't interested anymore. Neil, I believe I don't you, mind you, it. you don't mind it, and I love it. So, ask you a question. There's I think there's ten teams still left in yeah. it. Uh, at the moment of recording, anyway, who do you want to who do you want to win it? Who do you think will win it? I don't want to win it. Neil first. Uh, Lincoln. I want to win it. Okay. Just because it just be so. It'd be so it would also I, really I upset. Think, I think I'm so Andy about this today. I think Arsenal will win it because of the Wenger situation. I think it'll be his last game for Arsenal, and he'll go out with a, another FA Cup. Joe and, they've got, and they've got the easiest yeah, draw. Yeah. Joe, Joe, same question to you. Who do you want to win the FA Cup? I'm not say I'm not bothered. And who? I was actually about to say I don't care. <laughs> uh, who I think will win it. Yeah, sneaky suspicion Arsenal, Chelsea. Um yeah, possibly Chelsea. Um and who I want to win it, yeah, I don't really care. Okay. Thank you. Uh Andy, same question. Who do, yeah. who do you want to win it and who do you think will win it? The assumption that Lincoln can't or won't win it. Yeah. Um Tottenham are still in the cup, aren't they? Yes. Yeah, I I like <laughs> I, I, I like done his research yeah I, no I, I like 
Tottenham. I'm not sure whether it's because Liverpool tend to beat them. <laughs> Sometimes um, I don't know why, but I think they're. I think that squad that Pochettino's got there and the performances they've put in in the last couple of years deserves a trophy. Yeah. And I wouldn't mind seeing Tottenham win the FA Cup, um, which would be I, a very Tottenham thing to do. I'm a very Tottenham thing to do. I'm astonished to see United at seven to one outsiders. I know they drew Chelsea away, but if if they can. Eke out um, a draw at least there. And go well, back we to go. No, he doesn't. Oh, it shows you how much attention you pay. He plays now. It just goes to extra time of penalties. Well, and, and you get a fourth sub, don't you? There yeah, you are. So you they, well, they could easily go to pens at, at Chelsea, um, go through, and then that would look a very big 7 to 1. I know that you you listen to a few of the interviews from the United players, it's very obvious they've got cop treble mm. on their yeah. minds yes. a lot. And when Mourinho gets those sort of things into players' heads, this is us all together and this is our target. They can be a really hard force to stop. So um, they could they could go to Chelsea and get beat, but I just have a sneaky feeling that I wouldn't like to be... I said all season they'd win the, um, the, uh, the League Cup. Um, and despite Southampton obviously playing a lot fewer games in the run-up to the League Cup final, I suspect they'll still in the end up win that narrowly. And, uh, so what's your answer? <laughs> my answer was my answer, not next week. was my answer was I'd love Lincoln. That's not going to happen. I'd like Tottenham to win it. I'll change my answer. Okay. Andy made such a good case for Tottenham. I'm going to say Tottenham as well. You want Tottenham? I'd like Tottenham. To right, I, I would like Tottenham to win it. I'd like Sutton to win it simply well, because the, it... the, the, the Sun sponsored Sutton I don't think you do oh, really. yeah. oh, oh see so you can tell I've not been paying attention not, uh, yeah, no not Sutton right, not I would Sutton. like Sutton to don't, lose don't buy to the Arsenal Sutton. sorry yeah that's very good that. don't can... buy the Sutton this is what happens when you have a day off you just yeah. miss all this stuff yeah. um, no I, I'm going to say Lincoln then yeah. to win it and I think Man City will win it to be honest I think City they aren't going to win the league and they're not going to win the Champions League so I think they'll be quite keen to, to win something and I think on that news we shall finish um, join us later this week where we will look ahead to the Leicester game and we will look back at what's been going on with Liverpool this week and hopefully we'll have found James Pierce. yes hopefully cheerio